Hello and welcome to The New Conspiracists, the podcast that asks, were the pyramids in Egypt or Sudan first? Was Avril Lavigne replaced by a body double? Did the moon landings happen or were they just an incredibly elaborate set in Hollywood? And as ever, I'm joined by the uh, global editor of the Bureau of Investigative Journalism. No big deal. James Ball. How are you, James? Sir, I mean, I'm wonderful. Uh, just just as good as the globe, really. So, uh, yeah, all is well. All is well with the world, right? Yeah. I mean, We're all feeling better now. So, listen, this week uh, we are talking about, well, it's one hell of a conspiracy. Um, but let's, uh, before we do that, introduce this week's guests. James, why don't you take it away this week? So it's it's genuinely quite hard to introduce our guest this week because she's one of these annoying people who you could just introduce in about 16 different really horribly quite cool CVs. So uh, our guest this week is Tracy King, who, you know, according to her bio, is a writer, producer and consultant uh, and annoyingly soon to be, I'm sure, best-selling slash award-winning author. <laughs> um I, I believe she's not out till 2022, though. So, you know, she's leaving some space for the rest of us. Um, I I know Tracy sort of through Twitter and through just this amazing set of stuff she's done in the sort of STEM, science rationalist world, uh, where she just seems to have worked with everyone on everything. Um, she's done feminist campaigning. She's done comedy. She makes bespoken artisanal miniature furniture uh, and is really quite a good shit poster on Twitter. And, you know, I know something about that. So, Tracy, uh, you know, how much do I get paid for that intro? <laughs> All right, Babs. Um, well, <laughs> I mean, I always say, you know, I do a lot of things because uh, when I was growing up, my mom said you could do anything. And I misheard her and thought she said, I have to do everything. So, uh, <laughs> so I, just sort of do, I just sort of think, oh, I fancy doing that. I'll do that. And, uh, was there a big conspiracy that you believed in or like your most new agey type belief? Yeah. So I grew up in a very sort of superstitious household. And I think believing breaking a mirror will bring you bad luck is, is a very outlandish thing to believe, outlandish thing to believe. But because we all grow up with that, we don't question how unbelievably crazy that is, how much power we give to a mirror. So, um, you know, obviously we are deep, deep into the series now, aren't we, James? We've covered quite a lot of different conspiracy theories, but one is hugely, hugely missing from the sort of lexicon so far, isn't it? It's a massive gaping hole where a giant conspiracy theory taking over the world right now is, isn't it? So it is, and it's uh, in my friend and yours, uh, good old Billy G, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you tell everyone, what is this week's conspiracy theory? So, so this week's conspiracy theory, keeping it nice and topical, is... Uh, I mean, there are there are various around it, but the the core one that we will tackle first is uh, whether or not Bill Gates is helping to fund a global plot to microchip all of us under the guise of a vaccination program. Um, either and the, the sane, calm version of the conspiracy is using the opportunity of coronavirus to finally chip us all, uh, or possibly even engineering coronavirus with the lab in Wuhan, uh, possibly with some funding from Barack Obama also, um, in order to create a fake health emergency that would require us all to get vaccinated, in scare quotes, 
in order to be microchipped. Yeah, I mean, um, deep, so you know, population control deeply uh, plausible to me. I mean, it, it, is, it is at this moment where I do have to disclose that uh, I, for my day job, work at the Bureau of Investigative Journalism, which receives funding from Bill Gates. So, <laughs> I mean, I have to say, this of all of the conspiracy theories that we've dealt with is for me the most exciting. And I found, I think yesterday, the mother of all tweets that sums it up. And I quote, the microchips in the vaccine are linked to 5G masts that relay information to huge masts located at the four corners of the flat earth. The technology was reverse engineered at Area 51 from Roswell's UFO crash, codenamed GAS. Chips activate when the Mayan calendar hits 2022. Drop the mic. Boom, I'm out of it. Uh, and uh, Tracy is the sender <laughs> of that tweet. Uh, yeah, would you like the, to explain the it for us? Storm. Um, I mean, so that, that's actually quite unusual because you don't often get multiple conspiracy theories all in one go. It's a bit like, um, you know, it's a bit like religion in that you have your one that you believe in uh, and any other ones are wrong. Right, so because because they often clash, yeah. right? Because it can't be all of those things at once, and it, it's a harder sell. So, and normally, if you have a conspiracy theory, you want other people to subscribe to it, uh, and if you hit them with more than one thing, they're less likely to do that. So, I mean, you may have just a master troll there, that, um, or you know, somebody who is they've just gone all in. You know, they've just uh, or a genius, or a genius. There's, there's quite a lot of that this year, though. They they are they are all joining up in well, a way that, they don't. That, that, that's because this this is it's not a unique situation, but it's different to other conspiracy theories in in that it's a live conspiracy theory, and you don't often get that. So if it's something, let's say it's nine eleven or it's who shot JFK, right? That's a fixed point in the past. All the data that we've got about that, the, the from the conspiracy theorist's perspective, and also from the debunking perspective, right? That's all fixed. There's no new data, but the, not just the virus itself, but the vaccine science. It's changing every single day. The news is changing. Some of it is going to conflict, contradict, change, uh, and so the conspiracy theories are as messy as the thing that they're about. You know. In 20 years, we'll look back on this and, and we'll have much more focused conspiracy theories, um, you know, because they'll just drill down and find the one thing that couldn't be successfully debunked. But while it's all this just big mess of information and, and new data and then old data's out of date and something else happens that, you know, the news cycle moves on from that, then obviously the conspiracy theories are going to be unusually messy because they're, they're making it up on the fly. Uh, and you don't you don't get to observe that very often. It's quite it's quite an interesting. I, I mean, one thing we we do like to give sort of the case for the prosecution for the conspiracy sort of in this in this part. And I actually I can completely see how people give the time of day to this one because to me, at least superficially, there's quite a lot to it that mm. is real and. If we want to tackle it or think about it or kick it apart, you do have to look at the core of it that's real and explain that. And, you know, this this quite real bit um, and the bits of this that I would say is sort of true is Bill Gates is one of the world's sort of three or four richest men. It bounces around a bit. And he made that money by being an absolutely <laughs> ruthless little shit. Um, like MS-DOS, which was the precursor to Windows, was more or less ripped off wholesale from a free product over a weekend. Um, it then became the basis of this 
incredibly valuable and incredibly aggressive company that was sort of the Facebook of its era in terms of how aggressively it tried to maintain its monopoly and the huge sort of court battles it ended up in. You know, Gates ran his company famously, ruthlessly. And now he absolutely really is incredibly aggressively putting money into um I mean, all sorts of public health programs, some of which have attracted similar conspiracies, but he has pivoted. His whole huge foundation is the biggest player in global health anywhere towards this, towards tackling coronavirus to the point where they were ordering tens and then hundreds of millions of doses of vaccines before we even knew if they worked, let alone if they were approved. Now, if you're looking at that, as a sort of wary, sceptical outsider, well, why would someone like that be doing all of this? And, like, if he's doing it before they're approved, well, it's a fit-up job, isn't it? Mm. Like, if you look at the facts as laid out by that, I don't think you are either stupid or irrational to at least stop for a second and go, what the hell's going on here then? I mean, so the the Bill Gates thing uh, and and... You're right, James, in that, you know, he has historically not not been the most ethical operator. Um, and, you know, and people are aware of that. But also there's a couple of crucial elements of play. There's that, which is a major thing, you know, whether or not we trust this individual billionaire. And I don't think you should trust any billionaire. Um, but anti-vaccine conspiracies in particular, right, the rhetoric is around body autonomy and distrust of medicine and medical authority. And, Right, and the, and the the shitting fear that comes with the global pandemic that we've all felt. Well, yeah, I don't know about you, but I, you know, back in March, I was just panicked for months. Um, none of us have experienced that before, right? So we're we're all casting around this fear of unknown and this invisible lethal breath that could kill us or disable us, right? That you can't point at that, you can't shoot it with a gun, right? But you can point at Bill Gates, and you could shoot, oh, don't shoot him with a gun, but you know, he's a he's a tangible blame you know you you can say it's bill gates he did it and therefore maybe he can be stopped right so uh, the most important thing that bill gates could do is not say or do anything that could possibly fuel that kind of conspiracy theory and he's not been careful enough um i don't know if you saw this uh i call it gates gate um but he went on reddit and uh, yeah, right. No, you went on Reddit. I've been on Reddit a long, long, long time, well over 10 years, right? I would not go on Reddit and say a word about vaccines, right? That is risky business, man. Oh, and you've got to be so careful. So he went on Reddit and he said something just vague enough to be interpreted as absolutely anything you want it to be, which is the worst thing you can do. So he was asked, what changes are needed to save the economy during the pandemic? Reasonable question to ask a billionaire. And, uh, and he said some stuff about infrastructure, about food supply, health system, water, electricity, supply chains, right? Fine. Logistics, very boring, very Bill Gates. Uh, and then he said, eventually, we will have some digital certificates to show who has recovered or been tested recently or when we have a vaccine, who has received it. Uh-huh. Do not say that. <laughs> 
Oh, this is where the nanobots come in. This is where right. the nanobots so fly into your that brain. That itself, that digital certificates, that can mean anything. And if you're a bad faith interpreter of things, you will interpret digital certificates in the worst case possible. Now, the Gates Foundation claimed that he was talking about an open source database similar to Test and Trace. Fine, you can say that all you like. The damage has been done here. Well, right. I would say that coronavirus right. so on the blockchain. Be careful with your words. So I think he walked into that one. So there was that, right? And the, you know, Reddit is the front page of the internet, right? So if your if your core business is technology, and you're talking about a global pandemic, and you're talking about people's bodily autonomy, you've got to be so careful with your words, right? So he knows people are, you know, are, are vaccine hesitant already, and. He's asking people, you have to swallow your misgivings to have this new vaccine, which is tested, but it's new, right? And so a lot of us, we're going to have to take a, not a leap of faith, but maybe a step of faith, right? We're going to have to have a new vaccine. That's a bit scary. And a lot of us will be thinking, oh, God, I hope it's all right, you know. And some people are going to think, because there is that feeling, you know, hey, don't these usually yeah. take 10 years? Yeah. This has been done in 10 months. Wh- yeah, which which steps did you skip? And in reality, they haven't skipped steps, but. It doesn't feel like that to most of us. And that's definitely that's it. Not and it's only because they've just thrown so, all the money in the world, literally, at this. And actually, most problems could be fixed if if you throw all the money in the world at them. But yeah, so all the all the time when you'd be waiting for funding or trying to find participants or you know all of that stuff is what got crunched down. It wasn't the actual. You know, yes. science bit at the risk well, of sounding also, like a L'Oreal advert. And also there's a misunderstanding about how vaccines work. With this with the COVID nineteen vaccines, they're not starting from scratch. They're building on existing uh, vaccine families. Um, so, you know, it's not like that you, you've got a blank page and you've got to go, oh, damn, we've got to invent a vaccine for this novel virus. This is COVID-19, after all. Um, and a lot of that work was done during the SARS pandemic, a lot of the preliminary work. Can we go into that a little bit? Because I think that's really key, is that a lot of people, I think, don't understand the link between SARS and where we are today. So Trace, can you just explain when you say, you know, part of a vaccine family, what what do you mean? So this wanders into a slightly different um, vaccine conspiracy theory, which is the the sort of the baby parts or the aborted baby parts in vaccines. Um, But there is so in the in the fifties, when a lot of the the big vaccine sort of science made some some great great leaps, and we you know managed to almost eliminate um, things like polio, um, there was uh, you know there was a lot of a lot of developments that led to what we now use the basic science that we now use. So in the sixties, there were some cells harvested from two uh, legal, legally. Um, acquired aborted fetuses, right? And some people have an ethical issue with that, and that's absolutely, you know, that, that that's their right. Um, so all the sort of vaccine cell environments in which you grow the virus in order to create the vaccine are ancestors of those original cells, right? So we have vaccine families because we have um, virus families, so when we talk about the flu, I say we, I'm not a vaccine scientist, um, but this information is available to anybody. Um, when you get the flu vaccine, right, that's not the same flu vaccine that was rolled out last year or the year before. Um, but because, you know, flu changes, it mutates, um, different strains pop up. And so what they do in a lab is they go, oh, here are all the different strains that we know exist. We'll do a sort of 
educated best guess based on what data we've got about what we think it's going to look like this year and we'll roll out a vaccine that hopefully is is the right one right so it's there's a bit there's less educated guesswork than i make it sound but the, but broadly because we know about other types of flu we know, we kind of can fix all kinds of it's sort of like the difference then between like photoshopping a santa hat onto someone versus like doing an oil painting of them in a santa hat from scratch something like that yeah it's still a santa hat and you recognize it as a santa hat right but ultimately you know there's there's different types of flu but they're still flu and so with a you know with this coronavirus is covid-19 there's a family of those and this one is is not dissimilar to sars so a lot of the work that was done in 2003 for the sars outbreak including a lot of the preliminary animal testing um, which doesn't need to be done again they they're just they're reusing that right so actually way back in february march a huge amount of this stuff was already done. There's two essential components, and a lot of people don't get this. It's not about whether a vaccine is effective. It's about whether a vaccine is effective and safe, right? And you don't have to test those things simultaneously. So with some of the vaccine work that's been done for COVID-19, it's already known that it's safe. And so it just remained to be tested in a big study that it was also effective because you're not going to roll out a human study if you don't know for sure that it's safe but that safety that was a lot of work a lot of years of work and that work had already been done before you know on other vaccines before this pandemic kicked in um so and if if people sort of listening to this are kind of thinking you know as we record this it was pretty recently after the rollout and a few people had allergic reactions which didn't massively come up in the trial maybe because people who regularly have severe allergic reactions don't tend to sign up to trials um but i go well do we know it's safe if it's done that i i mean my understanding is it's that actually every vaccine has a bit of a risk of that it's well managed that's why you have to hang around and have a biscuit and a cup of tea after your flu jab kind of thing isn't it like that Safe doesn't mean never, ever, ever having the odd problem, but it just means overwhelmingly it's very minor and we know the risks of it. Is that, is that about right? Yeah. That, yeah, I mean, 100% safe is, is, you know, would be amazing. It is kind of science fiction because the human beings are the, the most complex thing, you know, <laughs> we're talking about. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> in no way can you predict every single outcome every single possible reaction um but you know the the safety levels that we're talking about are near as damn it you know you can round up and you've got 100 percent safety and i'm confident enough to have the vaccine based on that um and there will be adverse um outcomes because that's how absolutely any medicine works you know i i remember when i was a kid and i was i got a rash after being on antibiotics you know that's not uh you know that doesn't mean antibiotics yeah. don't work it means yeah uh, <laughs> well, totally i mean i was allergic to penicillin when i was a kid i just want to stress that i mean my understanding of those who actually did have an adverse reaction to um the vaccine were actually people who had um uh, 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 you know, there, there were people who sort of went around almost with EpiPens. These are people who, who know they often have allergic reactions. This was sort of relatively expected in the nurses that that had this reaction. And obviously, you know, the broader 
you know, the, um, uh, the the delivery of the vaccine, the more we'll know. But just to just to sort of really boil down, because I don't think we've really done this, and I've said many times on this podcast that you know this podcast is a really big ten. Tracy, what oh. is a vaccine? <laughs> Um, (laughs) I mean, in the very, very simplest terms, it's kind of a little bit of the of the thing that you're vaccinating against. Um, That that's the that's the simplest way that I can put it. Um, You know, if you want to, I mean, you know, provoking an immune response. uh, You know, and again, this is oversimplified, but it's a little bit like um, it enables your body to know what's coming. So you can build up an immune response. So then when it does come, your body goes, oh, I know this. I know how to fight this. Again, very simplistic, but that is broadly it. Um, Like a a tutorial (laughs) level for a video game where it's like really, really easy, but then at least you you know the right buttons to press to jump. Did you just just compare a training mode in a computer game to a Vax? I'm I'm all right with that. I I write a magazine column about video games, so I'm very pro comparing absolutely everything to video games. I think that's the right thing to do. Um, I think that's very relatable. Um, And, and, you know, and it's it's a bit like, I guess it's like a tower defence game, right? So, you know, you've got it sends in your, your wave of, of goblins or whatever and, and you figure out the best you know magic defeats goblins uh, and so then when a big wave comes you know to throw all your magic at it it's a bit like that i mean not really but it is a bit you basically moved from the answer to what a vaccine was to actually telling well it's a yes. bit like magic and goblins just yeah. <laughs> much much more relatable jolly Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. (laughs) If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. But one of the things I think that is is undoubted is that there is a level of skepticism about this vaccine that is gigantic. I mean, I have spoken to people who I believe to be very sane, very rational people who said to me things that confound my expectation. Now, one of the reasons I think that is, is because people confuse the idea that the government distributing the vaccine means that the government had something to do with the creation of this vaccine. Now, my understanding is that this was a... Um, uh, a sort of an American firm based in Belgium that actually had been uh, uh, the, the 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 work that had been done that had been been by a sort of Turkish German immigrant who was working within these companies. Tracy, is is that about right? That's about right. Yes. So so when people confuse, you know, because I think they've seen such a botched response in many ways, particularly in the UK, to the pandemic itself. How would you reassure them that? The actual vaccine itself has absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, I would start by, you know, 
I ask more questions than I try and answer, um, you know, because I've been of that mindset myself, right? So when somebody is afraid and they might have very good reasons to be afraid, um, particularly in a health setting, particularly if you're a woman or a parent, you know, women are historically very underserved uh, and discriminated against in medicine. This is well documented. Um, so if you have some hesitancy or some fear, in my experience, the best thing to do is not is not to say this is why you're wrong or let me reassure you by saying this. It's to find out what it is that would reassure them. So I used to debate 9-11 truthers uh, for fun because uh, I, I don't get out much. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm very online. And um, eventually, after, after a long time of doing this and, and just not getting anywhere with what I thought were reasoned, you know, presentations of evidence and, and rationalism, I started to ask, what evidence would it take to change your mind? Mm. And invariably, they would say, nothing will change my mind. There's nothing you can say mm -hmm. that will change my mind. And so I go, okay, nice talking to you. Bye. And then just leave because that's a waste of my time. So if, if somebody is... If somebody's saying, you know, there's a conspiracy theory, this vaccine is, you know, X, Y, Z, or the pandemic was created by X, Y, Z, you have to figure out, firstly, what evidence they want to know, you know, that, that would make them change their mind. Um, if they're prepared to change their mind, right, they might not be. And if they're not, then don't say anything because you're not going to change their mind. They've already said so. So, um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's kind of uh, on an individual basis, I think, if, if somebody is having those fears and those doubts, ask them to explain it to you. Mm. Ask them what they think is happening. Ask them to explain it and say, why is that and how does that work? And oftentimes, it's, it's they'll figure be, it out themselves. That's it's got to be quite, quite a sincere attempt to listen as well, because there's some really tricky bits in rolling out this virus uh, in that, we know for all sorts of reasons, we, we don't really know why, but black and minority ethnic groups seem to be more severely affected by the virus. And that's had conversations, not just in the UK, but in the US and elsewhere, about perhaps moving black people and other sort of ethnic groups higher up the priority list for the virus, for the vaccine. But of course, some of these groups have real reasons to distrust authority and to distrust medical authority. And they don't hear this is a sincere effort to try and help you and save lives. They're hearing, we want to test this on you before we give it to white people. Yes, and, uh, and, and, and that, that, that's where, you know, that is compounded by the actions of people like Bill Gates. You know, he does a huge amount of, of vaccine development in developing countries, right? And so uh, one of the factors that has contributed to, to the conspiracy theories around him is that about 10 years ago, there was a Gates Foundation-funded HPV vaccine program in India, uh, which was uh, run by PATH, which is a, a, a non-profit health organization. And they got into a lot of hot water. Um, so there were, there were some deaths um, which occurred in young girls, which were proven to be unrelated to the vaccine. But of course, those always fuel a lot of tensions. But um, the other issue, uh, which does seem to have some merit to the claim, is that there wasn't full consent. Um, a lot of the, and we're talking about thousands of consent forms from the parents or guardians of these young girls who are being vaccinated, were signed with thumbprints, which means that the person who signed it can't, can't read or write. Uh, and therefore, you know, you could you can safely assume that that's not fully informed consent. They certainly didn't read the thing that they were signing. Um, 
And there was a big controversy about it and the Indian sort of Department of Health put out a report which Path then said this is full of lies and nonsense and there was a big fight, but the, that trial stopped. Um, and, you know, that that is not a reflection on the Gates Foundation because if it were, the Indian government would not let them continue to do their work in India. And over the past 10 years, they have continued and still do continue to do very important, valuable, life-saving work in India. But the optics of that, you know, mm. from here is that, well, the Bill Gates Foundation is funding basically, you know, unethical experimentation in vaccines in the developing world. And yeah. historically, that has happened, not with the Gates Foundation and not necessarily the vaccines. But, you know, I spent a year and a half researching sexism specifically in medicine and around um, looking at underrepresented groups um, uh ethnic minorities and women, uh, and medical experimentation and, uh, and the ethics of that. And uh, it's happened a lot. Uh, so, you know, I, I completely understand where the suspicion around that comes from. And I, it is not an easy or overnight thing to gain, regain the trust that has been lost through very real exploitation of, of the historically voiceless, uh, you know, powerless groups. And so does that trust battle. But I, I want to jump us just to tackling two of the kind of conspiracies or misconceptions that we've raised. I think the first one that we have mentioned, um, actually, um, Jolly and I got sent in a video from a guest in a previous episode, um, uh, Sarah Yassin, who uh, was sent by her mom uh, a video of someone kind of showing, hey, this thing contains um, aborted fetuses. And you've kind of mentioned, you know, yes, this came from primary research, but this was cloned cells from 40 years ago. And, you know, the, the Catholic Church is sort of the interesting authority on this is they're not exactly relaxed about abortion and <laughs> they don't have a problem with this vaccine, do they? I mean, they, as far as I know, they've not specified anything yet with this vaccine in particular, but in 2017, the Vatican said it's absolutely fine to have a vaccine uh, that has been, you know, derived from these original aborted cells uh, on the basis of there's a greater good. That's what Jesus would have wanted. If there's no alternative, get the jab and then just do an extra 10 Hail Marys. You know, it's all good. God will forgive you. It's a very, very small um, personal principle to overcome given how long ago, you know, but of course, if you are a sort of, you know, an anti-choice political person, or you are deeply religious, it probably doesn't matter how long ago those abortions were, you know, I doubt that there's very much sort of moral difference to you between it was in the 60s, and it was yesterday, you know, so uh, I think that those kind of intensely personal moral decisions, certainly they're not conspiracy theories because as you say it's grounded in truth and there aren't there's not aborted tissue in a vaccine right that's nonsense but if you have an ethical issue with abortion and using um fetal tissue in medicine any at any point along the road then it probably doesn't make any difference to you that it was ages ago um you know an abortion is an abortion in, in that mindset so I think what will probably have to happen is the Pope will have to say, I've had the vaccine. Um, and, you know, that that will sort of 
allay the fears or at least give people the moral permission to overcome what for them is a genuinely, you know, truthfully held belief that that is wrong. Um, The the UK church, by the way, has specifically on the new corona one said it's not a sin at all to receive it. Well, Um, that's that's good. I think think you're right that it will have to go to, to, not quite to the man upstairs, but the one just below the stairs. Yeah, because there are some (laughs) high up Catholics who have who have spoken out about this issue and obviously they're not helping um because you're not going to pray the, the virus away um but the, um, I mean, what <laughs> and, and again you you know, the first well, but, i mean i was i was a born again christian i became a born again christian when i was nine um so you know you've done I, it all haven't you oh well, that's not my book's yeah. about <laughs> you're, ba- you're barely born by nine how can you be born again <laughs> no you will you will love my book um there's a key scene in it in which i was exorcised uh when i was 12 um which is uh an incredibly traumatic memory but also now in hindsight one of the funniest things that I've, that's ever happened to me uh because not many people get get to be exorcised um but i understand the thinking i understand that this is not it's it's not a paranoid choice like a conspiracy theory this is a deeply held ethical belief that's about life or death because you might go to hell right and if you if you truly believe that i think that you know i have a lot of sympathy for that although i don't agree with it um and so it's going to have to come from a higher moral authority which is you know the pope as the as the mouthpiece We don't have that long left. And I just want, Tracy, because you are really our kind of resident, sort of, you know, geek in residence for the week. <laughs> um, what sort of genuinely, like, what what would you tell people? Because you've talked about, I thought it was a really good point about asking people who maybe have issues with this that sort of more questions to sort of see what confirms. But do you, do you have anything, any particular resources, anything people can actually reach to if, you know, maybe their friend or someone in their family has, has got some real fears around this vaccine? Um. Again, it it depends on the specific fears that they have. So you do need to ascertain that first. Um, there are so the media has done a very good job with debunkings, which is uh, which is very reassuring. Um, even the tabloids are on board, uh, which is interesting because they they are the ones that started the anti-vaccine, the modern anti-vaccine movement with the Andrew Wakefield MMR stuff. But they've they've gone fully pro-vaccine. Um, so you can you know find out what media the person trusts. You know it might be the, they might not trust the BBC, but they might trust the Daily Mail. Um, you know they might trust the Times, but not the Daily Mail and that kind of stuff. See if there's anything in there that you can send them that's from a trusted you know a source that you know that they've trusted, not the source that you trust. That's not the same same thing at all um and you know very much if it's about overall distrust of the medical establishment if possible point out to them just how much corrective stuff happens uh you know if there is a controversy in medicine which you know there are occasionally are it gets fixed things happen you know it, it doesn't get to be sort of hidden and secret it gets leaked whistleblowers will you know will say something because people are ultimately overall good people are morally good and so if bad stuff is happening someone will point at it and say that's not right and we know this because that's historically what has always happened and the reason that we know that there have been bad things that have happened is because they're not secret someone has said a bad thing happened let's fix it and then we learn and you know measures get put in place so if you need to reassure them just generally relate it back to some time in their life where they have trusted the medical system and it's gone well 
Um, I had the MMR jab when I was a kid and that went absolutely fine, you know. So I think of that when I think of vaccines, that I'm absolutely fine. I had a, I had a vaccine, no problem, as did most of us. So if you can make it personal for them, but in a positive way, in my experience, that can get them to start thinking positively, start thinking about how the system actually works rather than the ways, the many ways in which the system doesn't work. But it is genuinely, because this is a, 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 about personal fears so much, it is there's no one size fits all. There's no one debunking uh, because there's always, you know, Carl Sagan's invisible dragon in the garage. I don't know if that's come up in this in this podcast before, um, but you know, you, you this will is always... the first mention. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, very briefly, because I know you need to go. Um, you know, Carl Sagan said that that it, it, you can claim that you've got an invisible dragon in your garage, and somebody say, "Let's see it," and you say, "Well, it's invisible. You can't see it." Well, all right, I'll. Uh, you know, I'll touch it. Oh, no, no, it's got like a reflective coating on its scales, which repels touch. Oh, all right, well, I'll throw some flour over it so I'll be able to see the outline. Oh, no, because there's actually a force field around it that will repel the flour. Well, all right, then I'll pick it up on some, you know, infrasound measuring device. Oh, no, because it's – and there's always some <laughs> reason that that won't work. And so it is with this. And so with the the more, you know, conspiracy-minded people, once they get into that negative flow of thinking, they will always come back with a no but this, uh, you know, there will be some reason why the thing you've just said doesn't allay their fears. And so, you know, that's very, very difficult to tackle. So, uh, you know, there isn't, there isn't a one size fits all debunking you can just send people, um, which is not, that's not a great answer. I realize, you know, it's a case by case basis. Um, some, cause you know, sometimes debunking works and sometimes it doesn't. In my experience, anecdote really works. If somebody is very afraid based, it's often based on an anecdote or my friend's niece had this adverse effect. And, and so then I will mm. say, well, my best friend, this, or, you know, and so you, you can kind of meet anecdote with anecdote. A lot of rationalists and skeptics don't like that. Uh, but I, it works. And I think, uh, you know, humans, we are story led people. So let's use positive stories to counter, you know, like like Maggie, the first woman, and then William Shakespeare, the first man to have the <laughs> to have the vaccines. Those are lovely stories. You know, let's let's celebrate and proliferate those and and generate positive stories. And you know, I think that that goes a lot further than going. Well, the science says this, and you're wrong and an idiot. One of my favourite things in a rationalist slash sceptic world is that there is a lot of evidence that evidence-based arguments aren't effective and don't change minds. And if you present this to sceptics who generally love evidence-based arguments, they dismiss it and uh, <laughs> often don't see the irony. Um, one specific thing I feel a slight moral obligation to debunk is the idea of uh, microchipping, uh, given that we raised it as our premise. Now, I think part of why this is resonant for a lot of people is we do know that you can microchip your cat or your dog. Um, and actually, if, if you have a, an animal to hand, stroke it around the neck and you will feel these things, you can notice them. They're about the size of a grain of rice. And I think people have a really mistaken idea about what these chips do. They don't unless you've lost a pet. And I think some people call the vet and go, well, can you pick up where it is from its chip? As if there's some satellite that can just detect, you know, Felix out there in uh, three, you know, the garden three doors down. They literally, they're like the contactless card in your credit card or on your phone. If you put them next to a scanner, it gives them a little bit of information, a bit like a barcode, so they know it's your cat and not someone else's cat. They don't 
like actively ping out to a satellite. And so firstly, those chips about the size of, you know, they are about the size of a grain of rice to not basically to last for long enough to not cause complications. You would notice if that was being injected into you. It, you know, the needle needed is a damn sight bigger. You can be injected with these things, but also it would basically not do anything more to track you than your phone, and it would do nothing to control you. Yeah, and, and your, are, phone, your phone is already doing that. But again, yeah, this is uh, sorry to interrupt. The um, the invisible dragon in the garage response to that is yes, but the Gates Foundation funded a study in which they invented a technology where they can put the vaccine in you at the same time as an invisible tattoo that encodes data into your skin that can then be read yeah. by an infrared. Oh, yeah, there, there always is. Um, but and that, just that technology does exist, but it's, but it's yeah. rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> the, the active, uh, there is a thing called active RFID, and um, some people have suggested that's what's getting injected in you. I urge anyone listening to Google what active RFID looks like, because roughly, if you remember those old batteries, that not, not the nice AA ones, the kind of C's or the D's, it's like three of those end to end. You would bloody notice if that was going in you, I tell you. Um, on this bombshell, because I know we've got to wind up, and this has all been extremely diplomatic, I'm just going to be very clear of my perspective. Don't be an absolute fucking prick, right? Take this vaccine, you absolute melon heads, unless you want this absolute Anis Horribilis of 2020 to simply reoccur, because the only way we're going to get herd immunity is if we all get that little prick. You'd think if Boris Johnson's government could do anything, it would be convincing people to accept a little prick. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. And on that bombshell, I'm just going to ask our guest categorically, is Bill Gates putting microchips in a vaccine, yes or no? No. James, is Bill Gates trying to control your mind <laughs> with a vaccine? <laughs> and this this is like the one thing Bill Gates is not guilty of. So no, get the vaccine. It's good. No microchips Don't be involved. A stupid motherfucker. Put this vaccine in your face. Go make your mum, your nan, and your racist grand do it, or we're all gonna have a nightmare of a summer and Glastonbury will be closed down forever. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week. Lots of love. Bye-bye.